Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run of the mill. Tech talk OGs, we're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation built on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, hey success? everyone, welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. This episode is brought to you by Clear Sky. ClearSky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. It optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform-first approach. Look, we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky, optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description below for an episode CJ and I did on ClearSky, as well as how to contact them. All right, Corey, what are we going with today? Oh man, Duke, today's going to be a good one. We're going beyond the cert. Beyond the cert. Holy mackerel. Because I got some. I got to defend my rep again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a bad rep, though. I think people think I'm anti cert. So why would they think that, Duke? <laughs> <laughs> um, Like, I know you're well, anti categories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure I'm anti category. <laughs> oh boy have we done an episode on the category tree yet we have Recently. definitely not done one on light the category tree on fire <laughs> we should do that we should it should be a video and we should just print out category trees and just burn them in a fire yeah just exactly throw them in a solo stove <laughs> okay anyway so beyond the cert okay why do people think that i'm anti-cert probably because i talk about them in ways that people don't expect Okay. Right. Like I, in nuanced ways. So I think only simple ideas scale. And the simplest idea for certs is that you get the cert and you are qualified. Right. Okay. You say that that's like the market just eats that message up on both sides of the house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of what they're selling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the people who sell you the cert, big air quotes. Yeah are selling the air quotes credibility and the people who are consuming that credibility partners and customers want it to be true that the cert means that you're capable and right. credible and experienced. Right. And not to say they're not valuable. They certainly are valuable and not to say that you don't learn anything because you certainly do learn something yeah. in the same way that somebody who's fresh out of university with a medical degree knows about surgery. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i mean like academic probably did something on a cadaver so like kind of like you know just like what a cert right it's yeah. academic knowledge and you've probably run through a simulator you know yeah and that's better than nothing absolutely absolutely right? and i have no illusions about how much i know about war fighting right but i imagine that there's a stark difference 
between having been trained for months and months and months how to fight wars and actually being in a firefight. Yeah, that's a pretty good metaphor, right? Because I've that one seems to present itself in a lot of books, right? Like you have that newly minted lieutenant comes in and, and you know, has gone through West Point and knows all the things, right? And mm-hmm. then as soon as they hit the ground, right, and get into a firefight, the person who's actually running the war is the sergeant, right? Because they've been there and done that. Until the lieutenant, and they're essentially now, this is telling the lieutenant, this is where your real training begins. Yeah. Again, I'm not anti-cert. They have value. Yes, you learn something, but... To me, credibility is evidence of, of having been there and done it. Yeah, I agree. Right. So how, how do you get that evidence? Right. Like, how do you yeah. symbolize and convey that you have that evidence of having been there, done it? And that's I mean, it's the difficult part. When I say the stuff I say about certs, I'm not like pointing fingers and passing moral judgment on anyone. Right. Yeah. It's just I the reality not, that got we a lot want. of them. <laughs> I said, I hope not. I hope not. Cause I got a lot of cert. <laughs> no, and, and good for you, man. Like, and I don't, and I've been hurt by it. So I guess it's just, there's the reality that we want and the reality that is, and I'm far more interested in the reality that is, how does it really work? Right. You know what I mean? What is the real value of them? And, and there is real value in them, but it's just, it's more complicated than the mark lets you on in that you have cert, therefore you are credible. And again, only simple idea scale, because try telling the market this gigantic hive mind without a single consciousness, try telling the market the certification prepares you for credibility, but then you need a few trials in the fire and then you are truly capable. Yeah. Like it just, right. it, too many words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does become more complex and nuanced at that point, right? Like yeah. it, you know, you say, Hey, I need you to have a cert. And it's like, great. Oh, but I also need, right? And that's the part of it that, that it that doesn't get really conveyed by the market, right? That, and I also need. Yes. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, and I think the market has a pressure release for the fact that the certs aren't always giving credibility either. And, that, yeah. and that's why you have stuff like must have two or three years experience. Why would they consistently put that if the cert was basically the definitive prepar- preparatory thing? Yeah. And so it's funny that you mentioned that, right? Because I, I do kind of look at this as a combination effort, right? It's kind of like how the sum of the parts are, are worth more than them individually, right? So you get two or three years of experience and you go on interview and that's one thing. But if you got two or three ex- years of experience plus a cert, right? Like then someone knows, okay, you've not only been there and done that, but you've also yeah. taken a test that shows that you're at least passable at it. And so that that takes that gives your experience a little bit more authenticity, right? Like it kind of validates it a bit more. And that takes you to second level or an additional level in than someone who has just one of either of those things. I want to put a definitively more positive spin on this too. Like you can think of the certs as being the doctrine for anybody who's of the religious bent. You think about going to some kind of religious school, right? Mm-hmm. And you learn the doctrines of the religion from your religious text. Right. That's way different from living it out, right? Like right. you can memorize the Bible for the, for the Christians out there. You can memorize the Bible, but it takes a special kind of experience to actually go out and minister to the poor and the sick and the hungry, doesn't it? Like it's a different game. It's not reading, is it? Yeah. And it takes, a, and, and that's a certain kind of experience, right? Because you not only have to go out and do that thing, you have to do it well. You have to have evidence that, of, that you've done it because it takes, is a certain kind of way that you need to do it in order to be successful. Right. And so I just think 
ultimately, when you do get that experience, it's completely different than what you read in a book. I remember back way back in the 90s, right, when I got my uh, MCSE, there was a, a huge influx of folks that, you know, we called paper MCSEs. Me? Like, there were f- <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> you know, but they were folks who could pass the test, right? But if you put them inside of a company with an NT40, yeah, I'm dating myself, but an NT40 um, a net, Windows network, right? Like they'd, they'd be asking you how to create a user. And the MCSE was supposed to be a fairly advanced sort of certification, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can't create a user, you obviously haven't been there and done it, right? So yeah, the cert is the validation, that doctrine, right? That I know the book of it, but yeah. if you haven't done it, right? I will be the first person to say that part of the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I was a paper MCSE. <laughs> I had this stupid idea I was going to be an accountant and I didn't plan my education properly enough. So I didn't have the right course prerequisites to go through the accounting route in Canada, which is where I'm from. And so I'm like, what else can I do? And a, f- a few of my friends were in IT and they're like, oh, just go get your MCSE. I went to an MCSE boot camp, came out with a paper MCSE. And I did a few of like the worst interviews of my entire life. I was a, I was a child, so <laughs> that kind of happens. But right. you know what I mean? It's just that deep discomfort of like, well, what can you do? And I'm like, oh, whatever you tell me to do, like I'm willing to learn. <laughs> that real deep discomfort that you don't really have what they want and you know it and they know it and there's 25 minutes left to the interview. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> that is the worst. <laughs> yeah. So I have been there and I really don't want this to come off as this huge negative thing or that I don't believe in ServiceNow certification system or anything like that. I'm just saying that there's a deeper, more nuanced reality and you can still excel in that paradigm. Dude, what we were saying right before we hit record, right? And I think that it, it bears mentioning in the actual podcast is there's a reason when you get a certification, you don't automatically get the job. And I think that that's really all we're saying here. We're not, you know, poo-pooing certifications. Like I said, I got quite a few. I don't walk in and, and you know, and slide my certifications across the desk and then start working. There's still yes. a conversation, right? Yeah. If it did what people thought it did, then why did people get interviewed? Yeah. And that experience that we're talking about, two, three years experience, like that we maybe mentioned earlier, what we just mean is that you need to have done the thing that the paper says you can do in some kind of way. Now, that, that could be hands-on labs, right? That could be your own ServiceNow instance that you've built out and built processes for and automations and integrations, whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. And because the cert is going to get you the conversation, but the conversation is going to get you the job. Right. Yes. And the hands on work that you're doing is going to, you know, help you get that job through the conversation. So. So you can't rely on the cert to get you through the interview. So what does get you through the interview? It's a good question. Right. And what gets you through the interview if you don't have the two or three years experience? And yeah. I think that's where we can offer maybe a more hopeful message. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah no doubt. Like, there's strong hope out there. Yeah. And, and, and free hope, too. <laughs> Free, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally free hope. The the PDI, the free hope instance. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe let's break down strategies for bridging that gap. How can I challenge the two-year thing? How can I showcase credibility beyond the cert? So where would you start? Uh, which episode did we do the things to build while you're learning how to build on ServiceNow? Oh man, yeah, that um, I don't know. I'd go How back and episodes to that we got episode? again. That's step one. 
is listen to that episode, but build on the PDI. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a cohort now of people who have gone through ServiceNow boot camps, and I'm bridging the gap there between what they've learned in boot camps and how do they show enough credibility to get the job. I have boot camps now. You can contact me if you want in on one or the next one. But a thing that came up on that was you have to express what you can do in ServiceNow in, in coherent solutions. And it's still, it's like a, it's a fedoricism. What does a coherent solution mean? It means having all the pieces for a full solution, all the pieces. So a lot of people will say like the bootcamps taught me a ton about how to build catalog. I like a build catalog. Great. Can you use flow designer? No, I don't really know how to use flow designer. Okay. Well then you don't really know how to use catalog items. <laughs> right. It's like, what are you going to do with half a coin? Yeah. Yeah. Right. What are you going to do with, with two wheels on a pickup truck? It's. You can't have one without the other. Otherwise, you're just listing features. I know how to use UI actions. For what? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like where are you putting them? But what are you doing with them? And if you don't know that and you don't have the actual use case or solution, right, that the UI action is um, executing, then do you really know what, they're, what they do, right? Yeah, sure, you yeah. know the mechanism of it, right? Like, you know where the table is, you know you know, where that it has a couple of places for code, blah, 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 right? But yeah. if you haven't done it, you haven't done it. And we make the mistake. I make this mistake super frequently, okay? So let's just start with me. Like, I can't tell you how much trouble I've gotten into life where if I read something and understand something, I have this idea in my head that I could have manifested that idea myself or I, I totally understand the idea. I think it's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. Right. But, yep. but, but it's not true. The reading and comprehending is a lot different than manifesting and deeply understanding. So you will go through your textbook, you will read the exercise, you will understand it, but that does not mean that you know it. So knowing it would mean applying the lessons in a completely different context. That's yeah. why I keep saying you have to build. What do you build? It almost doesn't matter. Go back and listen to our episode, but you have to build. And it yeah, has I mean, to be extra in excess of what your boot camp is telling you to do. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good point. Right. It's not just the lessons, right? It's got yeah. you gotta get outside the box, right? Like you gotta fail and you gotta take the guard guardrails off. And then you gotta go out there and do something that is that isn't completely scripted, where yes. you gotta where you have a step by step guidebook, right? Like throw all it away and then try to do something, right? See what happens, right? Something's gonna break and you gotta figure out what broke. And yeah. how you fix it. This is where experience comes in. This is how you get that applied knowledge, right? By things going wrong, not by um, things going right. And you fill in the vagaries, right? Like with this cohort, I made them recreate my soap app, but I didn't say, here's my soap app. You recreate it. First, we go to catalog items, then we go to workflow, blah, blah, blah. I didn't right. step by step, nothing, nothing. Right. I gave them nothing. <laughs> and we yeah. started off with, I told them, I make soap. I am dissatisfied with the process. You have to make me an app. Go. Right. And they had to struggle through the discomfort of, but we don't know what to build. I'm like, then ask me intelligent questions about what I don't like about my process. That's good. Yeah. You know, and they struggled through it and eventually they got all the requirements that they needed. And then there's still vague stuff that they, you know, until they got to the build component, that thing, they're like, but really, how does this work? So it's back to the stakeholder. It's just like a real life implementation. Yeah. Now let me ask you this question. How many times along that course did things break? I'm not really sure. 
because like, I'm really proud of my cohort. A couple of them just like they understood the data structure. They built the data structure. And then on their own time, they built Flow Designer. And one of them just kept on going until she got it. And so okay. she made, had many, many failures along the way, but she eventually got it. And right. so we'll actually and have a, I'll have a video in the description below that you can click and see how she overcame. They struggled. I don't know how they struggled specifically, but yeah, they struggled. Yeah. And that's my point, right? Like you don't have experience until you've experienced things broken. Yeah. Right. And they said specifically, like, this is so much better than learning it from a textbook or learning it from a course, because with the course, it's just like, click here, then click here, then click here, then click here. I see, I read, I do, I understand, but I didn't learn yeah. anything. Exactly. Because there's no broke. application. Yeah. So that's the thing. You, you know, you see, you read, you do, right? But then you also got to learn, right? So you got to apply yeah. that in a way that's not, you know, step by step for you. Well, yep. you know something that like, well, you know, a lot of things that I don't know, a lot of them, but virtual <laughs> agent is one of those things I just haven't gone deep on. And I know you've done a couple of virtual agent things. So how did you like yeah. even, how did you even start? Oh, that's a good one. Right. So I, I've just always been interested in the, in the tech just because I like alternate user interfaces. Right. And I feel mm -hmm. like uh, chatbot is a great user interface for service uh, management. I feel like while portals are great, you should be able to go to a chatbot and saying, I think we're going to get there really quickly right now with chat GPT, but you should be able to go to a chat button and say, I'm having a problem printing to the printer next to my desk. Right. And then that chat bot should be able to take that sentence and then parse who you are, where you sit, what printers are near you, figure out which one is broken, fix it, and then report back. That is my ideal kind of like bar of what great service management is. And the, and the um, virtual agent is a way to get there now. We can do all of this now. It's a little bit more complicated, right? Like parsing the data and you got to have, make sure you have all that stuff. But the reason, that's the reason I kind of got into virtual agents because I could see that potential there. And the first thing I did, I have my own instances. So the first thing I did is I installed it and then I started playing with it, right? And as I hit places where things were broken and I got stuck, then I'd either go to docs or I'd go to YouTube and I figure out how to get unstuck. And then I'd build some more until I get stuck again. Right. And eventually I'd gotten to the point I was really, really good at it. And then, uh, you know, I had a client who wanted me to do implementation for him. I jumped in and, you know, put some of my consulting skills to work, did the, like you said, ask intelligent questions to figure out like what they actually, um, what the requirements around what they wanted to build were. And then I got to it. And because I had been doing it for a while, right. And I had gotten the micro cert in it and I've, you know, built my own environment and, and different things. And I experienced it breaking. Right. Like I, I was able to jump in with the client and actually deliver value. So that's kind of how it works. There's one thing I love about what you said about that right at the beginning is that you loved the idea before you even. Yeah. You were fascinated yeah. by the value of the idea before you even started laying hands on it. And think about all the times on this podcast, we've talked about like understanding the outcomes. Yes. And yep. it's like you kind of understood what the outcomes would be beforehand. So you had a vested interest in knowing how the engine worked. No, that's a really good point. I did it, right? Like, so I, I did have, like, I had a solution I was working towards, right? And that solution was rather vague, but it was outcomes that I was trying, that I was trying to get to, right? I, I think this technology is cool. I think it's going to be able to do X, Y, and Z, right, in the general sense. Now let me build it and get there. Well, absolutely. You, I do think you need to have that visualization first, right, of where you want to go with the thing. We've talked about that for the tech side, but recently I've been asked 
the same kind of question on the implementation side. So if I wanted to show that I'm a credible implementer of ITSM or SPM or SecOps, whatever, yeah. how do I showcase that? Like, how do I build credibility with that? Do I not need to be on implementations, but then to be on an implementations, I have to show credibility anyway. So how do I get out of that? Ooh, yeah, that one's tough, right? It's funny. You got to have knowledge in order to get experience. Yeah. And most people always, it's really hard when you're starting out, right? To find someone who's willing to take a chance mm -hmm. on a newbie, but you have to do all you can do to generate that applied learning so that you can speak to it right when you're being asked. I mean, I, I think that's really the case. And like you said, speaking towards solutions rather than features often gets folks um, a little bit more motivated to help you out. Because when you're speaking towards solutions, you can show that you understand the implementation and integration of those parts. So here's what I would do to stack the deck in my favor. And again, it's coming from personal experience. I did it once with ITBM, now SPM. Make a playbook. We already know that you should be like understanding the outcomes that this app provides anyway but also figure out the main features it has and how they work. Literally write it down how they work. And if you can do that once, then you've basically got the better parts of a training guide and a starting point for documentation for things that you add. But it, also if you do it once, for every other interview afterwards, even if you've done precisely zero implementations, like, okay, so, but what do you want to know about? Yeah, I have zero implementations, but what do you want to know? You want to know how to plan costs for a project? Okay, here's how you do it. Do you want to know how to baseline a project? This is how you do it. Do you want to know how to compare any number of your baselines together and see where the drift was? Here's how you do it. You want to know what it's like to screen a demand and then resize and reshape it via the tribal council? Here's how you do that. And that's what I did before I went on an ITBM implementation. So it's like whatever scenario you're going to get to on site, they're doing all this stuff somehow anyway. This is just, I know the way they do it in service now. We'll get there together. So build yourself a playbook. And yeah, it's a ton of work, but you know what? It also is forward motion towards what you want. Whereas, I'm going to say it, hope casting that somebody's just going to give you a chance is also not getting where you want to be. And there's one last thing that I think we wanted to emphasize on this in terms of being able to show your expertise or, or that you've done the work or that you have knowledge in addition to, or that you have practical application of skills in addition to knowledge. It's kind of funny. I, I was building an asset for my cohort because I was noticing there were just certain parts of lists that they just didn't understand. And I'm like, lists is like the most basic thing, but like nobody sat there and taught them. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's figure out all the things that say a list could do the simplest, most mundane, most primitive thing in service now, a list of records. And I got 21 things, 21 distinct things that you can do with a list. Wow. <laughs> and so if I can do it for lists, you can do a virtual agent. You can do it for performance analytics. It's kind of like the playbook for the process, but more for a tech, right? Right. And it showcases that you just know this. So it's like, oh, you want to talk about lists? What part of lists? Do you want to talk about navigation of a list? Do you want to talk about querying and searching uh, a list? Do you want to talk about advanced displays? Do you want to talk about list utility, like importing and exporting? Like, what do you want? It solidifies what you know already. So especially if you're a beginner, write down everything you know about managing a list in ServiceNet. And then send that to a peer. Send it to a mentor if you got one. Send it to the community at large and say, right. what am I missing out of this? 
And you know, dude, I totally get that, right? If you can take something that's just like a list view and then come back with these features that you've pulled out of it and it's just something as simple as that and it shows your understanding of that kind of like core feature, absolutely makes sense. Not only that, but even if it's a text document, now you have some kind of asset that is cataloging the things that you learn. Everybody sleeps on taking notes, right? But yeah. just catalog the stuff that you're learning, like write it down. I learned that a record producer does this. I learned that variables on record producers, if they're named the same way as the column name in the table, you don't have to actually map the things to whatever. But okay, technical difficulty today. Our recording software is telling us there's actually a limit to our record. So Corey and I have to jet early today. Sorry to say it, folks, but in the end of the road for us today. <laughs> You you make it sound so fatalistic. So, you know, this, this is it. This is, this is it. You know, Duke has been nice knowing you. <laughs> the very last episode today. The very last episode today. Today. <laughs> and still don't have an outro. And still don't. Yeah, someday. We'll, okay. We'll see you on the next one, folks. Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation built on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Yeah. CJ and the Duke. What's that, huh? service now come on yeah i said welcome to the winner's circle yeah yeah